0: Hi everybody, welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today
1: we're speaking with Meir Schneider. He was born blind and taught himself to see. Through his own healing journey, he learned principles which can be applied to all areas of health, both mental and physical. And today we're discussing his book, Vision for Life. So Meir, welcome to the show.
2: I'm so glad to be on your show. And uh, I'm so happy that we're going to talk about people's ability to improve their vision and their body.
1: Well, you know, I am too. And reading through your book, I was actually, um, I, I was inspired by your story. Can you tell us a little bit about your own struggles with vision?
2: Yes. Uh, well, I was born with cataracts. And the uh, cataract is an opacity of the lens that does not allow the light to go through. Many, many people have cataract in the 60s and 70s. And doctors don't cure cataracts. They simply remove the lens. In the 60s, they gave people glasses, thick glasses, and they gave them contacts in the early 70s. And from the late 70s on, they give them optics inside the the lens capsule, which is wonderful, but they don't really cure the phenomena of op- opaque lens. In my case, it was genetic, and my two kids were born with it as well. And, um, Um, perhaps it was even a gene mutation. And I was born to deaf parents. So you can imagine the beginning of my life of them not hearing me and me not seeing them in particular. And uh, I had five very unsuccessful surgeries on my lenses, Uh, unlike the the case of my kids where they removed the lenses and gave them uh, contact lenses instead Uh, when they were infants. In my case, they tried to operate parts of the lenses with a working theory in the 60s, in the 50s and early 60s that that's what's gonna make the situation better. Well, it didn't. And I was reading braille uh, until I was nearly 17. And that's when I discovered eye exercises. And with them, I was able to improve my vision enough that from near distance I can read, uh, down to pretty small letters, and I can even drive. And that I'm doing since the age of 28. So um, my big changes were uh, just before the age of 17 when I started to improve my vision, and just at the age of 28 when I was starting to drive. And what I discovered are uh, principles and exercises that can help everyone to see better in their situations i don't mean everyone everyone like some people don't have a retina then you cannot see but almost everyone the, the legally blind people can improve the vision <clears throat> and people who uh, have a need for glasses can get rid of the glasses
1: So, I I mean, it's pretty unheard of um, to be legally blind the way you were, and then to even be driving a car um, before you were 30. And, um, you know, I think most people, you know, as they're getting older and they need glasses, they're just like, oh, this is, you know, the way it is. And they they believe that there's nothing that they can do about it. And, of course, what you're telling us is the exact opposite.
2: Exactly. And, uh you know, it's, it's really interesting to see how few people believe in the direction that I took. Um, I'm going to Europe uh, uh, this October, and one of my um, um, uh, places in Europe is going to be a conference of natural vision improvement teachers. People come from all over the world but we never ever get to thousands of people who come from all over the world. It's between dozens and hundreds of people. Uh, it always looks impressive when there are a couple of hundreds of people coming, but you can see the picture of it that not many people believe that vision can improve, and it is because of the conclusion of the medical profession in the 1800s. They concluded, two Austrian scientists concluded, in that time that eyes can never get better and from that moment on medicine did not search for ways to make the eyes better naturally and partially it's because glasses work so well you put them on you see better so why does somebody need to even look for a way to see better naturally from their standpoint because everything that Uh, involves medicine involves bondage approach like I'm now fixing it so now it's okay but truth to the matter is many reasons cause a person to see worse in my case it's genes and there is more to that story but in the case of 90% of the people if not 95% of the people there are many reasons why one sees worse one is strain to see from near uh... because in our life we normally don't look very far and um, we read a lot not having enough lighting is also a reason why people don't see well and mental anguish is also a reason why people don't see well so if you fix everything with glasses it's a it's a real uh, risky thing for the eyes because it's as if your legs became weaker, and um, what would you do if they're weaker? Well, you could decide that you will then walk with a cane or crutches or sit in a wheelchair, or you can decide to exercise them and make them stronger and to find why they got weaker. So the the problem that we have is the skepticism of the medical profession since the 1800 and the fact that they're so satisfied with the solution that they theorize that it's impossible to improve your vision. But I've been doing this work a little bit under 50 years and I can tell you right now without any doubt that thousands and thousands of people that I've met throughout my life had improved their vision with eye exercises and if it was the thing to do, if you would go to an optometrist and he would give you the The choice to use your glasses or to do eye exercises, we probably would have maybe 80, maybe 90 percent of people who wear glasses would not wear them. And they would deal with the problems that caused them to not see well, which I want to repeat, not looking enough at a distance, not uh, adjusting to light, to strong light. And, uh, and also mental uh, problems of not wanting to see parts of their life that causes them to not look. So,
1: um, in, in your journey when you were 17 and, and you started to, to look at this, what changes did you make in your life to change your vision?
2: Well, for me, I was still in high school, right? My parents were deaf. My destiny was to read Braille and do well as a blind kid. The changes that happened to me is that I felt like it was a second birth. Um, all of a sudden, I started to see clearer. Well, I remember there was part of me that uh, wanted to be blind again. It was more comfortable to be blind because people take care of you. People understand you. Um, And uh, when you start to see, it starts to be confusion for everyone. You see a little bit, well, then you're not blind, but why don't you see enough? So I would say my changes uh, were specifically with with the sense of opening that I can see. But don't compare yourself to me in that sense, in that I lived a world of braille, you know, basically. And I did not have good vision. So for me, it was like a second birth. From other people's standpoint, you know, if you take a look at the fact that people don't see well in their 40s, the written print in front of them. Like your 42nd birthday gift is glasses to read your print. Well, that, you can take a look at few things. Many people look back at their life and ask themselves, Could I do it better? That's when many, many marriages break down, by the way. That's when uh, many things don't work well in life. So that's one thing. But I want to tell you about another thing not connecting to us. You know, medicine was so adamant to prove that nothing we can do to improve our vision that they um, published without any proof of it in the 60s that nothing that you'll do will improve your vision, and until then, classrooms had large windows. And from that point on, classes started to have small windows and people uh, turned fluorescent light on. As of the 70s, there was incredible increase in the number of kids who needed glasses to read. So I'm not only talking about the mental, but I'm talking about the physical from the mental standpoint, when you read in class and the teacher starts to tell you, read it quicker, read it well, you start to not look as easily at details. because one of the things we need to do to see well is to look at small details. You start under stress to not use the the right part of your retina, which is the macula, to look at things. And then that starts to prevail and it starts to be your way of looking at letters and looking at books and this is one of the reasons that almost half of the kids in this country need glasses
1: so um when when uh you started doing the exercises. Um, you you, you, t- you talk in your book about it being quite dramatic. Um, you, you were actually throwing up the first time you read a letter right. on a page. Um,
2: yeah. what,
1: what were you feeling at that time?
2: I, I read that letter, by the way, from a quarter of an inch, you know, and it was <laughs> the first time I could see it. I was amazed. It's like uh, discovering something knew that didn't exist in my life. I'm happy it happened to me in my uh, uh, mid-teens or mid-to-late teens. I'm, it was a, a, the right time for that to happen. I mean, all of a sudden, my concept of myself, the concept of me, by everyone else was that I will never see a letter, not even a capital letter. And there, I was able to see, and not only to see it, but without a microscopical lens which I was wearing to try and see those things. So that was an amazing phenomenon that happened to me, and I felt so good, like, you know, just imagine yourself not being able to see something that everybody else sees, and all of a sudden, you're seeing it. That's, uh, the description is of incredible sense of freedom and joy.
1: Um, I can imagine now how long did it take you from from that point because I can imagine I mean you said you were a quarter of an inch looking at this page Um, how long did it take you before you could actually you know read and and see the things around you
2: well it's a very very slow process I started by seeing basically 1 percent so if you and I would sit in the same studio I would see a halo of your um i would see a halo of you and i would mix between you and furniture and i would only know it's really you because i would hear you speaking and with glasses i could see it's you but i wouldn't see you well well and those were thick glasses uh and what happened was that in about four months I was able to know it's you without glasses, and it took me about four months to see those 4% that I could see with glasses. And then I kept working, and it took me about two years to see about 25%. And right now, basically, I see 70% of normal vision.
1: Well, that's uh, pretty amazing. We're going to take a quick break. We're talking today with Mair Schneider. We're discussing his book, Vision for Life. We'll be back shortly.
3: Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. A fresh look at today's health.
0: Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Riss. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is ananticalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Falling Through the Cracks. Today
1: we're talking with Meir Schneider. He is the author of Vision for Life. So, um, Meir, before the the break, we talked about your story. And I know you've you've done a lot of this work with other people who have impaired vision as well. What conditions have you worked with?
2: Quite a few. And uh, by the way, I like your name, Falling uh, Through the Cracks, because I want to tell you that this work, has to be more known that more people have to practice it uh, and so i work with people simply who are far-sighted who need to get rid of their glasses uh... and i think it's a good idea because if you don't your lens becomes stiff your, the muscles of the lens become weak and within ten fifteen twenty years you lose your lens and that's when doctors remove it through cataract surgery so if you want To prevent cataract, it's a good idea to work on your eyes then. I work with people who are nearsighted, but then I work with people with high myopia. Uh, For example, this October, I'm going to Portugal, and I'm going to work with 15 legally blind people, and I want to improve the vision. Um, Jokingly, I'm saying I'm working with 15 legally blind people, and I want to make them illegally sighted. You know, (laughs) and so um, uh, I work with people with macular degeneration, with retinitis pigmentosa, and you know sometimes we only achieve partial results. So let's say somebody sees now twenty percent, and then they'll see thirty percent. Comparing to your vision, Rebecca, it's not much for them. It's an open, it's an eye opener to the world. I work with people who. For example, Aurora, who brought, who's bringing me there, a the very nice lady, a patient of mine, who came to San Francisco uh, years ago to improve her own vision, was first seeing well, but she had what's called high myopia, which means the eyeball uh, lengthened and lengthened and the retina detached several times. When they reattached the retina, as normally happens, she got cataract. When they remove her lenses, she got glaucoma. And on and on, and what happened to her eventually, she was legally blind. Well, she came to me with 3% vision. We improved that to 10% vision, and the result is she can cross the streets. And that's why she's bringing me there. So I'm working with many eye problems. But I also work a lot with the body. And some people have, for example, multiple sclerosis, and that's why they have eye problems, because the optic nerve gets uh, Uh, injured by the disease, and we work with that quite well, and I work with people with diabetes. In uh, uh, diabetes, you have two problems. One is poor insulin production. The other is um, that you have poor blood flow, and a very known phenomenon is called diabetic retinopathy, where basically you don't get enough blood supply to the retina, and then the body produces uh, blood vessels, uh, capillaries, to compensate for it. They're imperfect, so they leak. And so I work with them quite well to bring more blood supply to the retina and to prevent all those problems. So I work on quite a, a big range of people, of problems. And another problem, which is a very common phenomenon these days, is dry eyes especially for many people who use computer and iPhone, excessively dry eyes. So we work a lot on gentle blinking and on loosening of the middle back. Because I really think that the stiffness of the neck and the stiffness of the middle back do lead to dry eyes. So those are some of the many, many problems we deal with.
1: So, and, and then what results do you see? I mean, I mean we know y- you've got your vision back um, when people are, are working with you. Um, what, just tell if you can maybe give an example of the changes that somebody goes through when they're doing the exercises.
2: Well, the best result that I ever had with macular degeneration was one pharmacist who came to me with macular degeneration. And in the 80s, they did not have the Avastin and Lucentas they have this day, so they did a laser treatment in his uh, macula, and it caused him to see eight images of everything. And um, he came to me uh, very devastated after the laser surgery. I've shown him some exercises, he's done them phenomenally a lot, and <clears throat> he, uh, I asked him the question, what did you do most of your adult life? Because he was 73 then. He said, well, I looked at prescriptions and I looked at med- m- medicine bottles. And it's all small letters and it's all from near. So I said to him, well, for two hours a day, look at the distance. So his vision was 5%, 2400, uncorrectable with glasses. And when I finished with him three months later his vision was 2100 without glasses, and it was correctable with glasses to 2025, which is 95% of normal vision. So like in a case like people who see well with glasses, my goal is to get them to see well without glasses, and that happens many, many times. But my goal with a person with macular degeneration is for him to see well with glasses. And so the results vary with great pathologies. They do not vary with people. Uh, vary with people who simply uh, wear glasses. Uh, they can definitely expect to get rid of them if so they wish to do, or to have less use of them, and definitely to reduce the prescription
1: so um you you talk about looking in in the distance um what what does can that I talk to you us? about
2: the nine principles of our work sure sure so principle number one is deep relaxation because uh and uh, all the audience who heard me until now can understand that stress has everything to do with poor vision referring to my personal case because i was born with cataract and the brain could not Get me to see anything. I had a condition called nystagmus. People probably saw Stevie Wonder and some other people that the eyes move involuntarily, and mine moved 300 times per minute. People thought without my thick dark glasses, I looked like uh, a, a person who used drugs, but I never did. <laughs> my eyes just moved <laughs> like that. And then uh, I did an exercise called palming, where I would rub my hands and put my hands very gently around my eye orbit, sat in a dark room, listened to relaxing music, and I was able to, uh, to see darkness. Not at first, I saw all kinds of lights, and then when the light started to, um, to go away, which was after images, I saw darkness, and that's when I started to improve my vision. But the first principle is deep eye relaxation. We're not aware of how much stress we put our eyes through. And people are talking about relax for your heart, relax for every part, but they don't talk about visual stress and visual relaxation. The second principle is adjustment to different light frequencies. And let me be controversial here. I don't mind you wearing your sunglasses if you drive uh, to a sunset or to a sunrise and the sun is in your eyes or if you're in the snow and you ski. But I definitely am against sunglasses in all other incidences. I think people should not wear sunglasses because they weaken their pupils and they weaken their retina. So I'm very, very much against sunglasses. I want us to adjust to the sun, and we have a wonderful exercise that with the eyes closed, you face the sun, you move your head from side to side. Of course, you have to look at the book and look at some of our DVDs to see exactly how to do it. But at the same time, we don't have night. We basically have um, lack of use of night. There's a nice book about it by Paul Bogart saying the death of night. I mean, with the light pollution all over the world, you know, just in North America, the U.S. and Canada, 100 million birds die every single year. I think because of that excessive light that we have, we really need to be in the dark. And what I suggest for people is to sleep with double curtains, and if they know the way to the bathroom in the middle of the night, to not ever turn the light on in the middle of the night, and to allow the retina to rest from the daylight. So on the one end, we don't have enough daylight, and the other end, we don't have enough a light, at na- a darkness at night. And one of the things that I do in my six-day eye class, we have a night walk in the dark. It's just a wonderful thing. People first don't see hardly anything, and then they see so much. And Somebody told me that the brightest morning she ever had in her life is a night walk with me in the park. So it's, it, it's a wonderful thing to wake up cells. We never use it and take away the pressure from the cells that we always use, always next day they see the eye chart much, much better. And then the next principle is uh, looking at details. The macula, which is the most precious part of our retina, is, can only see a percent and a half of all of our uh, uh, field. And it sees very well. And when we look at a bigger portion and what we need to see with intensity, then we see poorer. And it starts at school when kids are nervous about what they're seeing, especially when they're being approached by the teacher. So looking from point to point, from dot to dot, and moving 100 times per minute is what the macula does. And we often slow it down, and stop it. So we need to start and wake up our macula for more life. Then the next thing is looking at the distance. I'm telling everyone who uses computers that if you don't want to lose your vision and if you want to be relaxed, during the daytime, at least 20 minutes a day in intervals of four to six minutes each time, look at the distance and wave your hands to the side to wake up your periphery because the lens muscles really constrict from near and completely relax from the distance. And then the next part is waking up your periphery, because we don't use our periphery. In the past, we would be able to survive the jungle without periphery. Now we don't use it, and that's why so many people have glaucoma, high pressure in the eye. The whole visual system is under pressure. And then the next principle is balanced use of the two eyes, because when we're under stress, one eye will always work more than the other. And we have wonderful exercises for that, uh, like putting glasses with obstruction in one eye. We put uh, duct tape uh, over sunglasses. We break the lens of the weaker eye and we, uh, or remove the lens of the weaker eye, and we put duct tape over the, the strong eye so the weaker eye has a chance to work. And then the next principle is... Um, Balance use within each eye. We tend to look downwards and not up enough, not in in the area of the temples. And then the next uh, principle is body and eye coordination. And the last one, which is so important, is more blood flow to the head and to the visual system. Because much of the blindness in the Western world is a result of poor blood flow to the visual system. And the more we bring blood flow, the better people Uh, So I have all those principles. They are solid. What is changeable is the exercises. We always invent different exercises for those principles. And that's why I think that wearing glasses as a solution should only be as a temporary solution and not a permanent solution. And we should find a way out of those glasses.
1: Well, you know, I I feel the same way about a lot of medications where sometimes they are necessary but we should do the work so that we're healthier and and don't need them anymore. Um, I agree with you
2: 100%. I think that the problem of opioids is a result of the fact that a person has a headache and he wants to fix the headache instead of doing what it takes to not have that headache. So uh, once you take that aspirin, then you'll need another one, and then you need a Vicodin, and then you need this and that, and then they're saying, oh, we have a crisis. The crisis begins in the fact that we don't work on ourselves naturally, and we can definitely prevent um, 90% of the drugs we're taking. We should use medicine uh, rarely and use it well, but we should not use medicine excessively, and that's exactly what we're doing.
1: Well, I definitely agree with you. We're going to take a quick break. We're talking today with Meir Schneider. He's the author of Vision for Life, and we're going to be back shortly. Your life, your health,
3: your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now, your baby is in your arms, and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune in to Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuzo. to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel.
1: Addiction can affect our relationships, our families, our home, and work lives, but most importantly, ourselves. The recovery process can do wonders in the lives of people suffering from active addiction and also for those that love them. It's not just 12-step programs, but so much more. It's learning how to live life on life's terms. If you can relate to these issues or love someone who does, start with yourself. Start by tuning in to Miracles in Recovery with host Ray Lynch, Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel. Hope is in your corner.
2: Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be.
0: Listen anywhere.
2: Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple
3: iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: Hi everybody, welcome back. Today we're talking with Meir Schneider and we're discussing his book, Vision for Life. So Meir, um, we've talked a lot about um, what your exercises can do for people, but can you walk us through just one of them and I'll let you pick which one because I think you'll know what, what's most important for people at least to have as a basic and just so that we can get an, a sense, idea of what you're, we're talking about.
2: So for example, Rebecca, um, do you wear glasses right now?
1: Um, only sometimes. I just need them if I'm tired.
2: No, this minute. Do you wear them?
1: Oh, I'm not wearing them, no.
2: Okay, good. <laughs> so cover, let's say, your right eye with your hand. Yeah. And then wave your hand, the left hand, to the side. You can see it when you cover one eye. The other eye has better peripheral view. And then wave yep. it to the, to the right side. From your hand to your elbow. So you're covering the right eye and you're waving your hand up and down from the hand to the elbow, elbow to the hand. You won't anymore see the hand, but you may see the movement. Don't look at the hand. Look straight. So you look straight and you wave your left hand all the way uh, from hand to elbow, elbow to hand, and all around as you're looking straight. Okay. And breathe slowly and deeply three slow deep breaths as you do it in and out through the nose yep now cover the left eye do exactly the same thing wave your hand all around and wave it from uh uh, first of all all the way to the side of the right uh, uh, hand to the point that you hardly see the hand you just sense the movement and all above, uh, parallel to your forehead, where you can hardly see the fingers, and down near your thigh, and then up and down from your hand to your elbow, elbow to the hand, and you don't look at the hand, you just look straight. And now open both eyes and wave your two hands to the side. And you can see that in that, you started to open a little bit of your periphery.
1: Mm Mm-hmm, seems like there's more light.
2: Isn't that nice? It's there is more light. Because the periphery pays attention to movement. It was made for the jungle. You walk in the jungle, you look in front of you, but if something is there moving on the side, you really want to know what moves there. Is it something you can eat or is there something there to eat you? And you if you wouldn't pay attention to your periphery, you wouldn't survive the jungle. And these days, people look at iPhone and they don't pay attention to anything around them, and they basically block a huge part of the visual field. Hmm. Is that um, interesting?
1: Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. I mean, I, I think we're just like other parts of us. We're, we're not using um, our bodies and, and our minds the way they're meant to be. Are, our world is a lot different than it than, uh, was, you know, hundreds of years ago.
2: Right. And, we've and so many things are better. Many things are better in our life than mm-hmm. than and some things are worse. And what we need to do is to compensate for our life, for example, you know, talking about one's back. Do you know who are the worst enemies of your back? Who? Your chair and your shoes.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: The chair, I mean, we were never meant to sit for eight hours a day on a chair. And people have to stand up every 20 minutes, grab their leg and pull it backwards and look up at the ceiling and do the exact opposite of what the chair does to their body if they don't want a back pain to ensue and to develop. It doesn't work that you simply go for a five minute adjustment at the chiropractor or the osteopath or you take pills to not feel your pain. You have to undo what, the, what causes your pain. And shoes are very confining. And I think one of the reasons I never have back pain and I never do, I'm 63, Actually, I'm not 63. I'll be 63 next week, okay? <laughs> I'm 63. Happy
1: birthday. <laughs> Thank you very much.
2: And, uh, and I didn't have a day of back pain. And I travel. I travel all over the world in economy, uh, in airplanes. You know what economy is, right? It's yeah. seats that, that uh, don't have um, uh, room for your feet, for your hips, or for your knees, right? And still, I don't have back pain. And why don't I have back pain? because I run bare feet on the beach regularly. So being bare feet, changing your shoes a few times a day can make a big difference. So what I'm trying to say is that we have many modern phenomena that cause us back pain, cause us eye strain, cause us tension. We really need to get rid of those phenomena as soon as we can. And if we do, and if we respond to life, the way we should, then we'll have different lives. We have life without back pain, without joint pain. Um, I've written in my next book, Awakening Your Power of, of Self-Healing, uh, a chapter on the joints where the first sent- sentence is, some people never think about their joints, and some people don't think about anything else. So, uh, mm-hmm. uh, people have problems in the joints because they don't move them well. and the same thing is about vision. We have eye problems because we don't compensate for the ill of modern life.
1: So, it, you know, in one of your exercises, I think it was uh, palming. You talk about um, shoulder tension and getting things to move. Um, how is that important for vision?
2: Well, if you don't get enough blood flow to your eyes, first, it means your eyes will not respond well to the eye exercises because you need to bring much more blood uh, to your, your head, basically to deal well with your, with your eyes. So that's the, <clears throat> that's the first thing. The second thing is if, um, if you do eye exercises, they will never work well unless your body is a part of the exercise. By the way, it's one of the speeches that I will uh, make in the Natural Vision Improvement Conference in Scotland uh, on October um, uh, 31st. I'm going to make that speech because I think it is so important that we should know that uh, you cannot work on any part of the body not taking care of the rest of the body.
1: Well, you know, I, I definitely agree with that. We, um, you know, for anything to work properly, we need to have overall health and, and to, um, you know, to maintain that. Like you have the exercises for the eyes. We need to do other things just so that we can, um, you know, be our best.
2: If your shoulders are tight, then it's harder for the heart to push the blood to your head. hmm If your neck is tight, it's harder for the heart to push the blood to your head. If your hip joints are tight, it's harder to push the blood to your feet. So it's very important to loosen up our central joints in order to bring blood everywhere in our body, basically.
1: Um, Can you walk us through the the palming exercise? I think this is something that you use a lot.
2: Absolutely. Palming, you know, was practiced by Tibetan yogis for 1,500 years. They were in, in dark caves with dark robes. And then Bates, without knowing about them, discovered it's a very powerful exercise. So first of all, you want to prepare your hands for it. I suggest anyone uh, who does it, first of all, will wash the hands so they'll be very clean. And then you interlace your fingers and you move the arms in rotating motion in both directions. Uh, So it's like you interlace them, you bring them above your head, and you move them in rotating motion in both directions. Then you point the the, uh, palms upwards, and you move them twice in rotating motion in both directions. Now rub your hands, and put your hands over your eye orbits. The important thing is, never put pressure on your cheekbones, you put them gently. Gently does not mean in a withdrawn way, opposite. You want them to be noticeable by your eyes, even though they're not touching your eyes by no means. The palm is touching the cheekbone. The uh, fingers are touching the forehead. So you're around the eye, not on the eye, but your eyes are closed. And you visualize it, you're seeing darkness, maybe even blackness. And then you can see movement through that darkness. A boat in the ocean moving around in an eight form, a train moving around with uh, uh, rails which are not straight and also in an eight form, a ball rolling. You just visualize some movement while palming. And you breathe deeply in and out through the nose, slower out than in, and slowly, slowly you see darkness, and uh, all, all the images you give to yourself slowly disappear, and you see complete black. And if you do it six minutes, three or four times a day, you will find yourself with eyes which are so refreshed and so capable of seeing. And I want to tell you how the mind can affect the eyes in a whole different story, A girl came to me from Hong Kong with cataract in her right eye, but clear vision in her left eye. And uh, her cataract was so bad that her vision was 2% of normal vision. So I thought that because she has clear vision in one eye, we should operate that cataract. And I brought her to some of my friends' doctors. But her mother refused to operate her and brought her to me for longer Sessions, Triple sessions, almost four hours. The girl was wonderful. We worked on balanced use of the eyes. When one eye sees 2% and the other eye sees 100%. But one thing that happened with her, I massaged her in a dark room for some time, and I asked her to remember when we patched her left-seeing eye, and she looked with a fuzzy eye with the cataract at the distance, I wanted her to tell me what she remembers from the distance. And she remembered the distance, as foggy as it was, for a whole hour. You ask from a person my age to try and remember something, and if they survive a minute with imagery, you're doing just fine. In her case, she was able to imagine it for a whole hour. And you know, we did many, many other exercises, jumping on a trampoline with an eye patch and throwing and catching balls and uh, doing all kinds of exercises. But at the end, a vision in that eye now improved to 80% from 2%. So, imagery of darkness when you palm, that comes after imagery of movement when you palm, will really give you fantastic relaxation as long as you keep breathing and never put pressure on your cheekbones and your elbows are very comfortable. They are um, uh, on the table. We also have what's called palming stick, which is an adjustable rod, that you can put your elbows on. And if you do it six minutes, three times a day, it will change your vision completely.
1: So after somebody's um, gotten their vision to improve, is there a, a maintenance of exercises they do? Like does it lessen or can they stop the exercises and keep what, the work that they've done?
2: I was asked this question so many times and it's a pretty uh, regular question, but Rebecca, if you took a nice yoga class and became flexible, do you need to ever work on stretches?
1: Of course. So
2: what kind of a question is it? Of course, you need to, of course you need to work on your eyes. You need to work on your eyes daily. If you use a computer, you need to look at a distance. We need to do the sunning exercise once in a while to make sure our pupils are strong and can withstand the sun. We always have to do some shifting, look from area to area in the room because almost always life forces us to... Uh, to read, to read in a way that we read too many words at once uh, and we don't allow the macula to work. So definitely you need to work on your eyes. But of course the intensity of the work on your eyes to see better uh, is greater when you start to work on getting rid of your glasses, if that is your goal. Your goal might be to not get rid of your glasses but reduce the prescription and need them less. That's also an obtainable goal. As long as you work on the health of the eye and on the needs of your eye and you supply their needs, that's an important thing. Just like you need to brush your teeth daily, just like you need to um, uh, to sleep, you also need to palm. And by the way, palm does not replace sleep. It only works well if you slept well, by the way.
1: Okay. Um, so is there, if it, somebody wants more information, is there any way that they can get a hold of you or your book?
2: Absolutely, and we do webinars, and I travel the world, as you hear that, and it's actually relevant to Voice of America, right? So <clears throat> my uh, our my, our phone number is 415-661-7969 or, um, or 001 from those who are out of the country, Four one five six six five nine five seven four. Our website is www.self-healing.org. We have a YouTube channel, and you can register to the message of the week. I do almost every week a new message, and you can hear it and see it. Um, one thing that I would like you to look, Rebecca yourself is that the video of me driving and another one video that Mm -hmm. uh, was Israel top 10 that shows you a lot about my development with my vision. But I think it's very important for people to understand that the revolution here that we're talking about and how important this show is, is that you must take care of your eyes. Don't leave it to the doctors because all the doctors will do is a patch approach You have cataract, we'll remove it. You have glaucoma, we'll give you drops. They don't look at all the reasons. Glaucoma involves poor blood flow to the eyes, lack of balanced use of the eyes. Follow the nine principles in Vision for Life. You can definitely get it through the Internet. You can get it from us. Uh, You can get it in some stores. So follow Vision for Life and work with it, and come to one of my classes. I have one in Germany, I have one in Italy, I have one in Barcelona, uh, uh, whatever you're going to call it these days, but it's in (laughs) Spain at this point. I'm going going to do one in Scotland, uh, two in England, one in Portugal, and I'll do some in Israel just in the coming time. And I will teach in Brazil, and I teach, of course, in different parts of the United States, So come to one of my workshops. People come to me from all over the world, and I come to places in the world. And if people can organize workshops for me, that's the most basic, quiet way where we can form a revolution and bring a critical mass so eventually it will be offered at the doctor's office, eye exercises or glasses or both.
1: Well, perfect. Thank you so much for everything you're doing, and thank you for sharing some of your knowledge with us today.
2: It's my pleasure, Rebecca. I'm looking forward to being on your show again when my uh, next book comes out.
1: Sounds good. We'll speak with you then. Today we were talking with Meir Schneider and we were discussing his book, Vision for Life. Uh, I hope that um, if there's anything you can take away, that there's some changes that you can make to help your own vision. And um, thank you so much for listening. Be sure to make today a great day.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive.